we are the Manic Street Speakers. We don't want to talk about love. We only want to get drunk. And Christmas is our tenuous excuse for doing so. Coming up in our festive edition, we throw our own socially distanced and socially awkward office party where we answer your cheese and wine influence questions. <laughs> our B-side is No One Knows What It's Like To Be Me and we have the Spods 2021, an awards ceremony, undeserving of awards. But first, let me introduce you to a woman who's bringing you the cheer, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's Emma. You're making me do jazz hands right now because, you know, I'm a Grinch today and I am going to bring the festivity if it freaking kills me. You're an adult. That's what Christmas feels like anyway. I mean, this is very, very true. <laughs> I would like to introduce, introduce, hi, I'm going to put my teeth back in and start again. I would like to introduce you to your podcast host. He is a man I owe an apology to because I stood him up last week for a recording session. I'm going to make it up to him by telling him he has excellent festive pyjama game and his family Christmas photo shoot would melt even the Grinch's heart. It's Mikey! Yeah, thank you. And you might have been in a better mood last week. I mean, probably not. <laughs> this is me we're talking about. Me, the girlfriend and the child and we attempted the dog to have uh, matching pyjamas. So cute! Dog wasn't having any of it. I have a Christmas jumper for Rusty and he looks at me when I get it out of the cupboard like, I don't think so, love. Well, he just pours it. He just pours it off. As soon as you put it on me, he can he can have the antlers on his head for about a minute mm. before he claws that up. But, which is weird because he wears a harness. So yeah, what, what we should What we should do next year is maybe pimp out his harness to make it all festive. Put some baubles on, a bit of tinsel. <laughs> on let's just have a quick uh, scan through the Landudno and London dates um, I, I would say they were festive dates but James didn't play last Christmas which is an abomination I'm just gonna throw that out there if you are going to see the Mannix and it is within a few weeks of Christmas I expect that song and I swear I've seen the Mannix in like October and he's played it yeah well I mean I've definitely seen them in December and he's played it Maybe he's bored of it. How can you be bored of last Christmas? Exactly. I look forward to Whamageddon every year. See, I only recently knew Whamageddon and I, I, I defeated the object when we were putting up decorations the other day. I just put on a best of Christmas. Mm -hmm. That's what I do. I, <laughs> I was wrapping Christmas presents the other day and I just thought, you know what this needs? Wham. So what's interesting about the set list is they've actually mixed a bit of it up, which is quite unlike them from the main tour. I'm gutted to have not seen this they played Happy Board Alone yes 
which I think would have been really interesting to see live. Mm, I would have loved to have heard that. They threw in a bit of Love Sweet Exile as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, she Sells Sanctuary, the cover, which is, yeah. you know, they dropped Sweet Child of Mine. But they've been threatening that for a while. I'm sure they did that as an intro to Motown for years. I was going to say, I think they did. My biggest regret... Well, actually, I do have a, a Lundudno regret from years and years ago. What was it? 2001. I left V Festival with my then girlfriend late at night on a Sunday night, it must have been. Mm-hmm. And we went... This was in Stafford. And we went to North Wales. I don't know why we did. We ended up in Chester. <laughs> but we went past... Lundudno, which we we later found out was that venue, yeah. And we thought at that time, God, that's busy, you know, little Lundudno, that's really busy. What's going on there? We let we found out in the paper news. We look flicking through the enemy in a shop the next day. We we found out that the Mannix had had played Lundudno that night, <laughs> and we just drove straight past. Oh no. The biggest regret I have about not going to see them at Wembley, which I was hoping to do, is that for these two shows, they had the uh, screens up again. Yes. And I, I think Mannix work best when they've got... I a, do. I That is the one thing I really miss. Uh, I missed, should I say, um, about when I went to see them in Bath. I just thought... I love it when... I love it when they do the... They put the music video for um, You Love Us up and... I don't know, there's just something about a Manix gig that that extra visual aspect adds a lot. And that's I not me detracting from the band, I just I just think it does. No, but I think it just goes hand in hand with, because they're, you know, obviously a, a visual used to be a big part of their mm. thing, and obviously lyrics and slogans, yeah, and I think it yeah. all matches together, and, and that in, in quite in a big arena, I think it just... It just makes that setting a bit more special, I think. To use a, a, a phrase that has been overused in recent days and weeks, it helps It helps to cut through.
Now, in direct opposition to the government, we're calling our Christmas party a party when it clearly isn't. (laughs) It's two people on Skype answering listeners' questions. I don't even have any cheese or wine. Or nibbles. I've got hot chocolate. That's all I've got. I have a bottle of water. This is the most rubbish party ever. (laughs) It's about to get more rubbish because we're going to answer some questions. Hey! Uh, The first one is from Phil. And he says, if there was one band or artist you could never do a podcast about, who would it be? Now, I think this is baiting us to, to, to really hate, hate on something. And as it's a time of festivities, let's try and be nice. Oh, I'm sorry for my answer then. <laughs> Actually, no, Sonic, go for it. Um, I, I kept it brief. I just put Little Mix because of their bloody stupid comments about feminis- feminism. Wow, I can't talk today. Or, and I'm sorry, this is going to be contemptuous for some people, Morrissey, because of his stupid comments about basically everything. Out of the two, and actually, which would it be and what would you call it? Oh, God. I don't, I mean, I couldn't have a conversation. Huh? Little Dicks. Little Dicks is an excellent, (laughs) I I want to be on that podcast, although that does sound incredibly dodgy. Um, I, I think out of the... Worryingly, I could be on that podcast. <laughs> I was about to go, no, like I know then. Uh, <laughs> wow, cut that. Um, I think out of the two of them, because I will say Black Magic is a banger. Um, so I, it would probably be Morrissey. I couldn't do a podcast because he's just turned into such a horrible old racist. Yeah, and... He's overrated, let's be honest. I'm going to say I do. I mean, there are some Smith songs which are freaking brilliant, but him on his own, I, I don't get it. I've never got it, and I'm sorry. I'm missing a very important neuron in my brain or something. I don't know. But at least Little Mix, some of their songs, and I will only say some because some of them are shite, but <laughs> some of their songs are at least very catchy, even if they do not understand what the word feminism means. <laughs> All right, well, my pick was really difficult because I'm obviously a very hateful person. <laughs> in in my life, I feel like wherever I've gone and whether it's workplace or with friends, I've been subjected to Eminem, who I can't, I can't abide it. I just cannot, just swearing over the same rhythm every time. Yeah. Just doesn't, does nothing for me. Uh, Linkin Park. Oh, I quite liked Linkin Park for a very long time. <laughs> it's when you don't like something, that's fine. But when it's inflicted on you, I think your hatred grows. That is absolutely And ev- every time I hear him do his wine, I just think he sounds like a ch- spoiled baby who's throwing something out of a pram. I want my sweets. <laughs> I am completely unashamed to say that I'm 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 going through some stuff at the moment, and um, I lay in bed last night and I didn't do it, but a little part of me was like, I really want to listen to In the End by Linkin Park and wallow for a bit and be like, I tried so hard, I got so far, and then I thought, no. I'm sorry to everyone's eardrums for that. In the end, I couldn't sew my nappy. (laughs) We have a friend who's not going to like this. (laughs) (laughs) Nappy. Um, But that's not actually my choice. I'm excited to find out who is. They love California. Okay. I mean, they love California because that's literally all they fucking talk about. (laughs) 
Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. I had ticket. I bought tickets to go and see them because I used to have a friend who. This is the kind of girl I am. I had a friend who absolutely loved the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and I bought her tickets. And I also bought her a jewelry box for her birthday. And she opened it, and she's like, "Oh my god, what a beautiful jewelry box!" And I was like, "Yeah. Oh, I, I heard it's bad luck not to like put something in a jewelry box. So there's some a little small something in there." And then when she opened it, there were these Red Hot Chili Pepper tickets because they were her favorite band. And I have no strong feelings about them either way, but I was gonna go with her to see her see them at the Rico Arena um but she was that sort of person we've all known someone like this I'm sorry I've just sort of trodden on your story here um sorry. we've all we've all known someone who when they are single are your best friend and when they get together with somebody do not speak to you because they're getting a regular shag and um <laughs> she was one of those people and she kept just sort of disappearing off the face of the earth and not speaking to me for weeks and weeks or months on end and in the end I was like did you die like are you okay and she was like oh sorry I just got this new boyfriend and I was like you do this to me all the time and I'm I'm kind of sick of it please don't do it again and she broke up with this guy and I was we, we went back to normal we were having like girly dinners out and cocktails and all of this and then suddenly out of nowhere didn't reply to texts didn't answer if I phoned didn't hear from her for months and it was getting closer and closer to this gig and I messaged her and I was like, um, are you like, I, I just like, uh, bearing in mind, I, this, but I wasn't, when I say I was messaging her and she wasn't replying, I wasn't like texting her 12 times a day or anything. Um, but I, I messaged her and I was like, look, I've sent you quite a few texts and you're not replying. Are you okay? I'm really worried about you. Like you haven't answered your phone. I've tried you like three times in the last month and you haven't answered your phone any of those times. We're supposed to be going to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers in like three weeks or something. Um, is everything okay? And only then did she reply and she's like, oh yeah, sorry, been with my new boyfriend, so busy. Um, yeah, yeah, when are you, uh, have you booked a hotel for us? And I was like, I feel very used. And so I posted her the tickets and was like, you take your boyfriend. And she was like, oh, he doesn't drive, you have to take me. And I was like, oh dear, get a train. Um, and that was the end of that friendship. <laughs> anyway. This is a lesson, never become friends with Red Hot Chili Pepper song. This is it. I mean, I should have I just listened to that straight away. How can a band make rock music that sounds so generic and samey? Mm. And like every beat. You, you know, you, within a second, even if it's a new... I think they've got a new one out this week. I haven't heard it, but I know what it'll sound like. <laughs> within seconds, it's like, oh, it's Red Hot Chili Peppers. It's yeah. like, flip, flop, flippy on your willy. <laughs> Skippy, dibby, dibby. I, I must admit, I like Under the Bridge. I'm very, I'm very, I'm a real, like, armchair listener of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I like Under the Bridge. There are a couple of other ones that I can't actually think of the names of that I like. But yeah, it would have been a case if I had gone to that gig of me very much doing it because someone I cared about liked them, not because I actually wanted to go. Yeah. So basically, Red Hot Chili Peppers and Little Mix mm -hmm. can fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Let's start this podcast the way we mean to continue. <laughs> All right, next question uh, from Natasha. If you could write a Manic Street Preachers musical, what would it be called and what would the basic storyline be? Um, I, I'd like to apologise for my answer. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote this really late at night last night and I read it this morning and I was like, think of something else, think of something else. 
I've gone so cliched it actually hurts. Um, so I decided that it would tell the story of a miner from Blackwood during the miners' strike. For a start, you've gone way more highbrow than me. Oh, really? Okay. Um, well, I called it strike with an exclamation mark. <laughs> so maybe not that highbrow. Um, he spends his time on the picket lines playing his guitar and dreaming of a time when he could be in a big band and his 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 words, sorry, and his voice would truly finally be heard. Um, I wanted it to be very political and very gritty, but with a real powerful hopeful element to it um in my head like you know the film brassed off yeah in my head it would be that kind of vibe that sort of like we're going through some real gritty shit but it's all going to be fine in the end kind of thing um i am a huge fan of musicals and i'm sorry that i didn't come up with anything better than that bear in mind when i was younger um probably ashamedly not that young in my 20s in my head i wanted to write a rock set musical because oh, wow. a rock set musical would be really good yeah. and I wanted it to call it after one of their albums Crash Boom Bang I love that but I didn't get any further than having the, having the concept of a title <laughs> that's where the best ideas come from that's where they all stem from okay mm. I've got a few okay I've got first one is postcards from a young man oh. right a man with amnesia ram randomly finds a postcard with him as a child on it on the back, it has a clue where to find the next one, and so on and so on. As an, as this goes on, his memory loss... Hang on. As this memory loss... Hang on. <laughs> I mean, I'm very into this plotline. I want to know more. As the story goes on, his memory forms more, and the man discovers his lost life and reels in nostalgia for his lost memories. I love that. That's so much better than Strike, the Manic Street Preachers musical. <laughs> okay, next one. Royal Correspondent. N Nicholas Witchell stands outside Buckingham Palace looking depressed while singing monarchy-themed manic songs against his will. I love that. <laughs> less, less likely, but still beautiful. The Queen will die. He'll retire. He'll, he'll want to do something else, won't he? Absolutely. You see, I, I had this vision that mine was going to be, like, this guy who plays his guitar and, like, sings on the picket line would eventually, you know, take up sort of writing his own. Because originally I was like, oh, they will be, he'll be singing other people's songs. It won't be songs he's written. And whether we sort of went, oh, this is a song by a famous Welsh band <laughs> or not, I don't know. But he'll be playing songs and everybody will sort of join in and be like, oh, I know that one. And then I was like, oh, yeah. But then he could be like, I'm going to start writing my own songs. And it could be how, like, the press end up coming to these picket lines and being like, there's this guy there and he writes his own songs. And, like, people, he becomes famous in the end. And, like, he uses his newfound fame to sort of be very anti the government, very anti-establishment kind of. It was going to have this very manic ethos without being about necessarily blokes forming a band as such so your ideas are forming it's good I, to be fair i've had these i've had this for a week or two and i only sent them to you last night oh okay yeah so last night i was it was about half 11 and i was like okay think of a musical <laughs> okay my next one send away the tigers some tigers have escaped from the zoo 
<laughs> and they sing and dance to manic songs as they go on an adventure to find Australia. Oh, please write that. Please make that a children's animated musical because I need to watch it with my nephew. It sounds like a Pixar film. I love it. I need it to exist. <laughs> okay, a couple more. Uh, slash and Burn. Nurses on a urology ward sing the, so <laughs> <laughs> sing the songs of Manic Street Preachers to patients. <laughs> I'm starting to really see that you've had these for a couple of weeks. <laughs> It'd be like Scrubs without the laughs. Oh, I did. When I first um, became a Manics fan, I was 16, and I used to constantly sing, Slash and burn, you've got cystitis. <laughs> I was, yeah, so I'm very, I'm pleased to hear that one. All right, last one. I promise, I promise you. Uh, musical for Plague Lovers. Nice. This is a great variation on the last one. Performed at an STD clinic. <laughs> Songs include Slash and Burn, You're Tender and You're Tired, <laughs> Love Sweet Exile, brackets a note to discharge. Oh. <laughs> Another invented disease. And I think I found it. God. <laughs> I think I found it and I think it's oozing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's enough about my personal life. Uh, next question is from Barry. Uh, I think I'll answer this one because okay. uh, you won't know the answer. Um, oh. Have you ever considered setting up a Patreon for the podcast? Um, to be honest, no. Um, because, firstly, as you might have gathered if you're listening to this, it's quite an amateurish operation. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I think it's got better as it's gone on and I, I hope it will get better from now on in. But, uh, firstly time demands i can't guarantee that i could commit enough time to not only doing the podcast but also the extras that you have to do on patreon that is is demanding of money and i don't think that would be fair i mean you could set up an only fans <laughs> <laughs> with my small little willy um <laughs> disclaimer i don't have a small willy the problem is, it's with both of us having full-time jobs and families and and commitments elsewhere. When I first started this podcast, I thought, oh, maybe we'd get an episode out every two or three, two or three freaks, two or three weeks, and it hasn't worked out like that. And I just don't think it's fair. I think that, I think we average about eight a year, and mm. it's just not fair to ask people for, for money. If we were more, if I, I'd say me more. <laughs> if, if I was more of a pro and I could get more content out, definitely, but. Just not in question at the minute. Next question from Kelly. James, Nikki, Sean. Shag, marry, and avoid. Oh, I mean, for me, that's very easy. I'm not going <laughs> to um, Obviously, I'd marry James. I love him. Um, shag, Nikki. Sorry, Kirsty, if you're listening. And avoid Sean. Sorry, Sean, if you're listening. <laughs> I had a moment of fancying Nikki around 1999. Like around Manic Millennium, the that uh, the festival, and you know, but it was always when he was wearing makeup and a, and a nice tight dress. Yeah. So what that says about me, I don't know. And I think my answer is going to have to be: I don't want Sean to be left out. 
Oh, I mean, it's not that, you know, I, I loved him in a different way, in a brotherly way. He's my friend on Facebook. I just, you know, I don't, <laughs> just, you know. After he hears this, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, our chag, Nikki, 1999 vintage. Oh, can we pick a vintage? Because, um... Oh, you've done it. Oh, okay. a James vintage. Oh, Holy Bible era, hundred percent. Nikki vintage. Oh, either Generation Terrorists, or I'm gonna go along with what you said and say like the Tolerate video, swimming pool blue eyes. Um, yeah, Shag Nikki. Marry James, avoid Sean. I'm just oh, sorry. I mean, at least we're we're the same. I wouldn't avoid Sean. That's it. I wouldn't avoid him. I, you know, I'd hang out down the pub with him, chat about him, be like, "You're, you're James. What's he like? Eh, him in duels?" Because um, when I go to the pub, I turn into a middle-aged man. <laughs> How was your father? No, that's something entirely different. All right. Okay. Uh, I think we've got the last question. Emma, if uh, it's from Debs, Emma, if you could, uh, I don't know why this isn't aimed at me because it's almost like I don't have a beautiful singing voice. Okay. Uh, Emma, if you could direct and sing a manic song in a choir, what song would it be? I have, and this is a bit boring, but I have for quite some time wanted to arrange Design for Life because I think it would work really well. Um, but if it, if I could pick any song, and also one of the reasons I picked that song is because quite a few of the chorus know it and like it. Because getting songs, being um, in a chorus, being assistant director, God, do I know how you have to push songs through the chorus. Come on, it's going to be really good. We're going to do this song and you're going to love it. Um, I think the one that I could probably persuade people that could do a really beautiful a cappella arrangement is this is yesterday um oh. it's got a really obvious to me harmony line when i sing it uh when i listen to it sorry i sing a harmony line to it along with james and i just always have ever since like i heard it for the fir first couple of times i was like that's got a really nice natural harmony line and i pick it out and i sing it alongside it and i think that combined with the fact that the little guitar twiddles in an a cappella chorus would make a really nice sort of ba, 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 da, ba, in the background uh, not sung like a four year old child I don't know what that voice was but I think it would work and eventually I would like to have a bash at trying to arrange that I reckon you should do it I reckon that would really work yeah I'd really love to do that song oh I can I go throw in a bonus question actually oh. if you could duet with James on any manic song which would it be there you go. Does it have to be a duet? I mean, if James is involved. <laughs> like, no, but I mean, does it have to be one of the songs that classically is a duet? Or can no, it be any no, manic song? Any manic song. Then I'm going to say, and this makes up for what I said about um, whatever it was. The mull's wine at this party is amazing. Um, no. Uh, yeah, that's it. I said sorry to my friend Kirsty if she's listening because I said I'd chag Nikki and hopefully this will make up for it temporarily until later. Um, because uh, 
when we sing in the car when we're driving places or if we're together we sing small black flowers and that's another song that i do a harmony line to i'd love to sing that with james let's arrange it let's do you remember years ago when uh they announced after the the national treasures gig that they were going on a break yeah we said i don't know if we mentioned this podcast before we said do you know what let's let's raise some money and let's book james for for the exeter cavern we did oh my god i remember that we didn't do that no <laughs> no we we hosted ed tudor pole there instead but our idea was like oh it'd be amazing james could come down he could just play an acoustic guitar play manic songs play solo songs and uh I wish we'd done that. Uh, and then we, well, we kind of looked into the basic cost thing as we were like, no. Yep, nope. <laughs> so for, for this party, Emma, what Christmas song would you like played? My mum was telling me this morning that this is her absolute favourite Christmas song and it is one of mine. So it's got to be Fairy Tale of New York. I could have been someone time for our b-side no one knows what it's like to be me was released on the everything must go single on 22nd of july anyone know what it's like to be you they absolutely don't um, <laughs> i'm gonna be a little contrarian in this i really like the distorted guitars in the intro and i love the difference between the sparse almost slightly alien sounding verses there's something sort of like dreamy and odd about the way the verses are formed and i really like that um, the difference between that and the louder guitar laden chorus is really effective I think the instrumental in this song is absolutely classic everything must go era manics musically bloody love this lyrically not so much despite the fact that it has the line I know it's the same for everyone 
I genuinely can't help but feel that there is a slightly self-indulgent tone to both the title and therefore the chorus, particularly when Nikki sings, uh, not Nikki sings, James sings Nikki's words, doctor and dentist, housewife and thief, no one knows what it's like to be me. If you take that too literally, as we all know, I am someone who loves to take things literally, it really feels like a fairly rich, um, probably by this point, fairly famous rock star is just whinging about how tough he has it. And when I first heard this, I was about 17, because I got into the Manics when I was 16 or thereabouts. Um, and it really resonated with me because I was a hormonal teenager who really did go along the lines of, no one knows what it's like to be me. But I'm now 39, I had to think then. <laughs> I had to think how old I was. I'm now 39 and I realize that if you take it less lyrically, let's do that again. I realize if you take it less literally, you can find more nuance in the lyrics. And after all, nobody truly knows what our own life experience is like, apart from us as we're the ones living it. But I just, I can't, I hear this and it sounds like it was written by an angry 12 year old, lyrically. Um, yeah. Musically, love it. Lyrically, I'm just a lot less keen. First and foremost, I think it needs to be said, I find this song hilarious. Uh, partly because it probably appeals to that side to me that you're talking about, that like stroppy, petulant, <laughs> it, kind of insular worldview, isn't it? That's kind of what it is. It's definitely written from a self-absorbed, almost narcissistic viewpoint. Mm -hmm. It's pure, unadulterated, introvert Nikki, but this, but with this weird aggression that's literally lashing out of the sky. Yeah, and I think like, I don't know. I think that's partly. Because I can see it from your point. And there are times when, like, because I listened to it this morning ahead of doing this. And it was the first time I'd listened to it in probably six months or more. And I was like, oh, I love this song. It's so catchy. And then I was remembering that actually these lyrics really irritate me. And I thought, it's quite funny. If you imagine, like, I had this mental image earlier. And like I said, I'm having a bit of a shit time at the moment. But I was imagining Nicky with, like, a hoover in his hand. Like, brandishing the hoover at the sky and being like, no one knows! You know. And that was hilarious. I'm not going to lie. But, yeah... Yeah, it's just very like the the verses. Like I said, musically, I really like the there's there is something almost otherworldly about the the tone of the verses, and I really like that. But I don't know. Even when he says to all the money that blinded me, I'm like, what a terrible problem to have. Yeah, it reads like a depressing toast at a wedding. To <laughs> to all to all the people who've hurt me, to all the life that has left me, to all the longing that's lost. To all the future that scares me. Cheers, everyone. <laughs> you may now kiss the bride. It's morose and yet strangely defiant. Mm, yeah, I think that's a very good way of summing it up. When he gets into the frame of no one knows what it's like to be me, there's an arrogance to it. It's mm. like, I'm flawed, but I'm brilliant. Which, to um, be fair, I think is something that Nicky Wire would probably wear on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, I'm flawed, but I'm brilliant. <laughs> But there is a moment of acceptance, like you say. I do, I do, I know what you're saying about the lyrics, greatly slightly, but to all the empty souls who just, who still despair, I know it's the same for everyone. There is that kind of, you know, a lot of the song self absorbed, and then he's, that, there is a line where he's stepping out of himself and going, oh yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate that because it is the sort of one little bit of saving grace of, hey, 
um, I do realise that you've got this shit going on as well in your own ways, but... <laughs> but there was a bit of a streak of Nikki doing this at that this time, because obviously we haven't covered it yet, Mr Carbohydrate. Oh, I love that. Tonally quite similar, in the sense mm-hmm. that it's very me, me, me. Yeah. And this is what I'm thinking, fuck you. But I guess it comes across as more comical maybe and more self-knowing i think i think because it's almost mr carbohydrate and like you said we haven't got there so obviously we've never heard that song and we don't know what we're talking about um but i feel like that's more of a sort of owning a nickname that people have given you almost in a derogatory sense it's almost like going no i'm gonna fucking wear this as a badge of honor thank you very much and sort of turning it around a little bit whereas this just feels I know, obviously, this is not me, and if uh, please don't email in, um, because this is not me slating Nicky Wire. I love him; he's fabulous. Um, he's flawed but brilliant. But I, I don't know. We all know he has got this tendency to go very insular and just be like, "No, I'm quite happy just to sit at home and be surrounded by fields and books," and that's lovely. And I love that about him. But I don't know why. There's something about this song that goes. I just want to be by myself because no one understands. And it just feels a bit like a teenage boy slamming his bedroom door. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I, I do get it. But I, I, it's, it's knowing how much is tongue-in-cheek, isn't it? We don't fully know, do we? Mm, yeah. Uh, musically, it's quite a mishmash too. I think it's got that Britpoppy sound of the time, especially in the guitar solo. And it's got that slightly experiment, more slightly experimental synth backing. Yeah, which yeah. they later used on songs like uh, "Freedom of Speech" went through my children. So maybe there's like a path, like pathway from here to some of the stuff on "Know Your Enemy" and "Lifeblood." Mm. But I also love my favorite bit of the song is James's voice because pretty much most of my favorite bits of songs are because how it's quite angelic in the verses and then he growls, especially that bit where he goes, "Yeah, that that bit." Me, it sounds like. Lincoln Park needing a change of diaper again. <laughs> and I can't believe I just called it a diaper. I was just about to say, you've, you've gone over to the other side of the pond. I know, I live with an 11-year-old who watches a lot of YouTube and he comes out with all these Americanisms. Uh... Rating-wise? Um, it was a tricky one because musically I wanted to give it a 4 out of 5, but because I have a weird obsession with disliking the lyrics, I gave it a 3. I'm with you, free for me, because there is an aspect of it it's quite throwaway, but I do like it. So all the episodes are still despair, I know it's the same for everyone. Next up is my chat with Manix fan Ian. Over the last three or four months, he has been curating 
uh, Manix Top 50 from fellow fans from across the board on Twitter. Here's the interview. Now, this sounds like a really convoluted, difficult process to do, compiling a Manix Top 50 from fans. What made you decide to gather information on a Manix Top 50 in the first place? I suppose uh, a, a while back on uh, on Twitter, there was a group of people that were kind of doing some various different charts, um, and that kind of set my mind to, to doing a Manix one myself. Um, and the, the, fir- the first one we did was back in uh, 2013, and, and I think it just occurred to me that, that like why not get other people involved? Like, I'm sure there'd be other people that would would want to do it, and um, can then just kind of gather the responses together, score them, and see how they all come out combined. It's pretty much, I would say, the most accurate representation of the taste of fans, maybe the most comprehensive list, because there's not really anything else out there, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the, the more um, the more responses you get, the more accurate it's going to be. So um, the, it's, it's been done three times now, so in 2013, 2015, and this year. And we had um, kind of the same number of responses as the other two combined um, this year, so obviously that's going to make it more accurate um, the more responses you get. Yeah, yeah, like you say, you've done this a couple of times before. Were there any surprises this time round? Um, maybe a little bit. I mean, obviously, the, the, um, since 2015, there's been another two albums released. Um, so there's always a bit of an unknown as to, to how they're going to go down. Um, and sometimes when you have um, an album that's new at the time, so in 2015, Futurology would have been the, the current album at that time, sometimes that can be um, really fresh in people's memory and do really well, and then it can maybe slip back a bit later on, which is kind of what happened a little bit in that respect. Um, and the Ultra Vivid one did really well. Mm. I wasn't, I knew it had been well received, but I wasn't sure how well it was going to do, and eventually two songs made it into the top 50, which was great. Um, and Still Snowing and Sapporo managed to um, get picked in more than half of the charts so that's like brilliant for a new song really kind of uh, unexpected what surprises me i think especially as it seems that most most of the people who contributed to this were diehard diehard fans how most of the highest placed ones are the band, band's biggest most known songs yeah yeah and uh, i suppose evening out over everybody's thoughts that's probably what's going to happen because obviously when when you start looking at individuals then they're going to have their own favorites so you might have somebody who kind of really likes a pretty obscure song and places at number one but if you've got 127 charts which is what we had that's then going to kind of even itself out over time and so that it doesn't get represented as highly and so the one, some of the, the more popular ones and the big singles might not always be really high in people's charts. So I think, say, for example, Rose in the Hospital ended up, I think, about number 20 or something like that. So that might not always be in people's top 10s, but if a lot of people place it somewhere in their charts, it's going to clock up enough points to kind of push its way up the chart. And I, and I guess this falls into why Manix won't really do a lot of obscure songs on the tour because 
it, it it's pretty standard. Even hardcore fans will want to know, will, will want to hear, hear hits, won't they? So, like you say, a certain amount of B-sides made it into the top 50, but if you average it out, it's still the bigger album tracks and the bigger singles, isn't it, that gets through? Yeah, and I mean, obviously, there's a product history seems to be the kind of representative B-side and that everybody seems to like the most. So it might not be everybody's favourite B-side, but if everybody likes it enough, then I think it ended up at um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was definitely high for me. Um, how time-consuming was it? Because every time you went on these binges of reeling off the list, because you you did the whole list, really, didn't you? You did you did your own personal list, didn't you? Yeah, and I think that that was probably the bit that, that complicated it a bit further um, and took up a lot of my time. So it was kind of um, the, the 338 elements, <laughs> which are then um, ordered completely myself. Yeah wasn't doing they were just picking their own top 50 um so it was kind of to run into um in tandem really so i was i was counting down on twitter um my own chart at the same time as i was still ordering the top end of it um, and also taking the submissions from everybody else and working on the blog and scoring and that sort of thing. that was running the two in tandem was what kind of ended up being the really time consuming thing so it did take up quite a bit of time while i was doing it but yeah, I guess like when you were doing, I mean, I found doing 50 bad enough, yet alone doing every song. But uh, when you were doing the Manix Top 50, you were reeling off statistics and this was placed at this time and this many people voted at this uh, at number one or whatever. And it's, I mean, I'm rubbish with numbers anyway, but I, I guess that's something you enjoy, seeing the, the process of what the fans are doing. Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's one of those things where it's kind of, I would, I would enjoy seeing it myself, all that kind of detail. So the, some people aren't going to care about that aspect of it. Some people are going to really get into the kind of nerdy elements of it yeah. um, and really dig down into the charts and find out kind of, you know, how many picked my favourite song. Um, maybe even go and seek out those people and kind of uh, see who placed um, your absolute favourite the highest. So I, I enjoy seeing uh, stuff like that. So... Um, even if nobody else looked at it, I would still have kind of done it for my own enjoyment anyway. And I guess what I partly enjoyed was seeing people's reactions to certain songs being in the top 50, either, oh, that's way too low, or how on earth did that get there, and all that kind of thing. So it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's all a matter of opinion, of course, but if you're gathering everyone's information together, it's the best account you can get of people's tastes. But still, as Manix fans, we're like, how on earth did that, <laughs> that get there? Yeah, uh, and, and it's, it was quite interesting seeing the kind of the varying reactions to it as well because some people kind of were shocked at different songs for different reasons. Um, so you, you might get one song that's coming in which I would have totally expected to be in the chart and other people would have been really surprised and vice versa. Um, so it was interesting seeing different people's expectations which, which might kind of depend on where you're coming from so when when you start as a fan um, so if you have like really kind of uh, a high opinion of a certain album you might assume that everybody else has the same mm. opinion of that album when it might not necessarily be the case and also with with any songs whether it's one of your favorite artists or whether it's just a song from an artist that you pick up on and you don't like the rest of their material 
it's all about personal connection to it if you've got a a memory or an emotion that goes with it it's going to rate higher isn't it yeah absolutely and i think quite a lot of that came out in some of the comments um whether it was through sharing the, the top 50 or whether it was going deeper when i was doing my own chart because obviously that's going to go more into some of the more obscure songs yeah each, each song had a chance to be discussed and people could then throw in their own experiences one, one of the more interesting things that i found as well is that we had a few um responses from much younger fans so obviously who who had had um, no chance of being around in the early days but when you look at what they actually picked you couldn't really differentiate it from somebody who was a fan say back in generation terrorist days you can mm. look at the picks and um just purely looking at it you couldn't necessarily always tell when this person became a fan how old they were or whatever yeah i guess so but but again that's come from if if they're younger fans they probably consumed all the albums and material in such a shorter amount of time so they're processing it quicker and it, it to them it doesn't matter whether it's 1992 or 2018 it's what what will be the personal connection will be the personal connection yeah and, and i think it the, the interesting thing is that that some of the most beloved songs of long-time fans would also kind of hit in the same way for younger fans that, that have maybe just kind of consumed the fullback catalogue within like a year or two. Mm. So you've done it three times now. When do you think you'll do this next? Well, I think it, it seems to have settled into a bit of a two-album cycle thing. So I suppose it depends on uh, depends on what when that might be. Because obviously to 20, 2013, I think the first time that we did it, Rewind the Film, the song had just been kind of thrown out there. And mm. I think Show Me the Wonder then came along during that time. So Rewind the Film, the album, wasn't actually out at that time. Um, and then in 2015, Rewind the Film, Futurology had been released. So that was two albums further down the line. And then in 2021, um, obviously we'd had Futile and the Ultra of Lament, um, which obviously was a bit longer, so it took six years to come around. Um, so whether that'll happen again, whether the fact that there was more people involved this time, when a new up, one new album comes out, people might say, can we do it again? We'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. All right, um, in the show notes, I'll put up a, a link to your Spotify playlist. You've done two, uh, which are 50 to 26 and 25 to 1. Um, yeah. We won't say any spoilers now. Um, if people really want to get geeky and anoraki, um, you have a hashtag, don't you, on Twitter where people can find all the information and, and facts and things like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, there, there were a few, actually. So um, I think Man Manic Stop 50 final was the one that was used for the... Um, the final 50 and there was there was max top 50 facts um which was used kind of in the the week running up to um the chart so it was in between the deadline and the chart being announced so there, there were a few little kind of teasers just to get um to get people involved brilliant now it's time for the spots 2021 um don't worry about sore bums because there's literally only two awards to give out. 
that could be interpreted in a weird way, couldn't it? Yeah, it really could. <laughs> First award, Puss Head of the Year, which is basically Dickhead of the Year, Twat of the Year, whatever you want to say. Uh, your winner is... Three words, Boris fucking Johnson. <laughs> I am shook. <laughs> I mean, it was quite an easy one, I'm not going to lie. Mine's the same. Yeah. And I think I said him last year, but I wanted to go more obscure and left field, but I, I can't look beyond it. It was very close, because I think last year I <clears throat> I snuck in a second as I... Some... Okay, you, you cheated all over the place. Like. I, 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 well, I think I mentioned Jacob Rees-Mogg, and I would like to use this moment to just mention that Jacob Rees-Mogg is, of course, an absolute thundercunt. And he... Uh... <laughs> What I absolutely hate is the fact that Allegra Stratton, who, don't get me wrong, was dreadful and stupid and awful, and I'm glad she resigned, but what she was saying was no way worse than what he was caught on camera saying. With We're imperial measurements here, so we only have to stay two inches apart. <laughs> Honestly, I'd like to see somebody with a bow and arrow just go full-on Robin Hood on that dickhead. I mean, with Boris Johnson, I, I don't know whether I did that just the Tories last year or whether it's Boris, but he's just a narcissistic, compulsive liar who has inherited power through his bloodline and not through any talent or intellect. Mm-hmm. Um, having an untrustworthy person in power is dangerous at the best of times, yet alone in a pandemic. So yeah. he is literally dangerous. He can't form complete sentences. He can't dress himself. He can't afford to redecorate his own house on his poor little pay salary. God. He can't afford afford to pay for his own holidays. I mean, he can't tell us how many children he has. He needs to be gone. I'm fed up with him. Everyone is fed up with him. But I know, like, even if he goes in the next few months, whoever takes his place in the Tories is going to be awful. There's no one good that could take his place. I was looking at the people who could, who you know are being sort of touted. And they were like, oh, well, you know, it could be Liz Truss. <laughs> How is that better? It could be Michael Gove. No, please just kill me. Just, oh, it's fine. I've, I'm done. Let's move on to something a bit more positive. The We Love Them Award for someone awesome. I've gone a bit, obs- well, not obscure, but I've gone strange. <laughs> I think last year I went for Chris Whitty um, or someone of that oeuvre. Um, I'm going to... <laughs> I'm going to give my award this year to Susie Dent um, with an honourable mention to Angela Rayner for calling the Tories scum. Um, Susie Dent does word of the day. If you don't follow her on Twitter, for the love of all I hold dear, follow her on Twitter. It is the most beautifully passive aggressive Twitter account because it's so blatantly obvious that every word of the day pretty much is a dig at the Tories. <laughs> but she does it with such class and I love her. Yeah, she is refined in her dignity, mm-hmm. I guess, in the way that she's just uh, owning them, really, isn't she? Totally. All right, my choice is from the political to the personal. And this isn't brown nosing because she's not going to listen to this because she doesn't like the Mannings. <gasps> Um, it's my girlfriend Mel, Aww. because the last couple of years hasn't been easy. Like when I'm struggling, she helps me through. When she's struggling, I help her through. Um, 
and this year she's been diagnosed with ADHD, which came as a massive brick into her life at the time, but I think that's helped her find herself more mm. and make herself know herself a bit more. Um, and it's a, it's a common thing. There's so many people, my girlfriend's 39, there are so many women around that age and older who are being diagnosed now with ADHD because it, yeah. for some reason, especially in women, it's just in girls of a certain age, it's just been overlooked. Mm-hmm. And it's such a life changer to find out a diagnosis. Um, and that's it. And if Christmas is about, isn't about presents for us, we're not doing presents or anything. It's just about being with each other and having time. And after such a fucking shit year or two mm-hmm. years, I think that's what's important, isn't it, really? I feel bad that I picked Susie Dent now. <laughs> I picked love. Oh, and also, also she's making s- I'm not putting that in. I I think that's beautiful. The the previous part, not the part about that. <laughs> um, if I was gonna be, you know, personal obs, I would have picked Leslie, but um, I I I went left field. See, it's too late now. And now your dearest friend is gonna be offended. Oh, tweet her. <laughs> Emma didn't pick you for person of the year And it is in that spirit of peace, love, understanding That I choose my Christmas song It's by a band called Sound of the Sirens They've released three or four Christmas songs now And bar the Manics, they're the band I've actually seen most live This is a lovely ditty called Next Year space in our lives For the gifts that the morning may bring Childish magic And the lesson we learn Is that presents are people Not things We all fall down, darling And we all stand up It's not too late to start So, uh, before we go, let's just wrap up our conclusions on what has been quite a Mannix-heavy year. And it didn't feel like that way at the start of the year, did it? So we've, we've been quite lucky towards the end. Yeah, I. it's been... I've lost my thread. <laughs> it's been emotional. It has been emotional. I mean, for, for me, and this is just purely on a personal level, um, being somebody who's extremely vulnerable to covid there's been a lot of the last two years where i have not done stuff that i would normally do um there have been huge like chunks of the year three months at a time where i have barely left the house um so to have had a year where not only has there been a new manics album which i've loved and um have 
been playing a lot and have, has it's really resonated with me but to have actually gone to a gig and seen them again um has just made this year so much better than last year and um obviously um uh, just borrowing some of your soppiness from earlier um, i went with my gig buddy kirsty who i had not seen uh for i think it was something like four or five years and that was amazing and i don't know how i didn't just like hug her and refuse to let her go <laughs> because it was so lovely to be reunited with her um and it does it does feel like it's been more of a sort of like yes our favorite band are doing things and we can go and see them and we can listen to new stuff which is really exciting and i just want to say it um and mani manifest it into the universe i have begun my review of mark burrow's book which i promised him i would write two months ago um but i have been manically busy uh not that, that i mean there was a there was a pun there <laughs> um but no i have been insanely busy and i have started to write my review and it is a brilliant book so this is to make it up for make it up to him buy the book if you haven't i you know that's another thing like even like we've had we've had mark's book um, we had Stephen Lee Nacia's book earlier this year as well. We've had James's album last year, which I know he couldn't tour, even if he wanted to, which I don't think he did. We've had we've had a Manix tour. We've had a Manix album. It has been pretty a busy time for them. For them. Um, in terms of next year, I'm kind of hoping they do a spring tour, like a small spring tour. I'm not sure they do. Or they will because they're announcing festival dates. But I think people should check their bins because Nicky might drop that album. Oh, I'm. I want to hear that album. But what if he doesn't release it? What if it's going to become one of those mythological things that just gets talked about? <laughs> I. He'd like that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I feel like part of me would like him to release a single and then just never release the album because I think it would be so funny for him to be like, "It's coming. The album's coming. Here's the single," and everybody to be like, "Woo!" oh i really like that when's the album out and then just annoy everyone by not actually releasing it or nicky just deciding ah oh, no it was shit i'm not releasing it <laughs> yeah. but i i don't know i i am gonna put myself out there and say in the last few years i think nicky's singing voice has really come on um and the bits on albums like you know he does still do like his odd little line here and there I've really enjoyed hearing how his voice has grown in strength and I'm really fascinated by the idea of listening to a full album now because when he released his first one it was sort of I don't want to say a running joke but there was certainly certain certain corners of the Manics fandom where people would sort of go well he can't sing why is he doing enough you know um, and we're a bit snooty about it. I would like to say I was not one of them because um, my chorus's ethos is everyone can sing. Back in 2005 or six or whenever it was, I, I was one of them. Yeah, I was going to say, it's fine if you were. But um, I, I'm just really interested. I do genuinely think he's worked on it. And I think you can hear that his... I'm getting a bit technical here, but you can hear that his resonance has improved and that he has been working on it. And I'm like, I want to hear a full album of that voice now. I want to hear what it sounds like. 
and also what he does with it musically because I think exactly. obviously since since the solo album I think he's become a better bassist and musician yeah. so we said this didn't we when we reviewed the ultra vivid lament there's a lot of really good bass licks on that album Mm, licks. Well, I was trying to be music reviewy. <laughs> Thank you for listening this year. You can find us on Facebook at Manic Street Speakers, Instagram Manic Street Speakers, uh, Twitter at Manics Pod. You can email us at manicspod at gmail.com. This is why I should write this shit down. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, have a Merry Christmas and... We love you one time, we love you two times, we love you three. Jingle all the way times. Get pissed, destroy, eat wine, eat wine, eat wine, wine, drink cheese. Ew.